So I'm going to make these pumpkin cakes that my mom used to make uh, for dinner because that way she can enjoy the pumpkin and I can also eat the pumpkin. And to my surprise, she got home and I served these lovely pumpkin cakes. And she's like, in, ew, yuck, I don't eat that. I was like, but, I, but you love pumpkin. And she says, yes, I love pumpkin, except in that format. I don't like it when it's in pumpkin cakes. <laughs> I thought I knew her. I thought I knew she loved pumpkin, but I actually didn't know her that well. And it's maybe a small, silly little story, but it, it takes time. It takes uh, spending time together. It, 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 takes, um, it takes depth to really get to know someone. And it takes breadth. And the question here is about how do we know if we know God? Um, I just want to catch up on some of the comments in the chat here. Uh, Simon or the Palmer says, uh, the, the Palmer say, spend time, characteristics, kind, patience, angry. You get to know the character of someone, then you know you know someone. Um, Anita says, if we feel mutually welcomed in the presence of each other, the whole question that is at stake here is how do we know if we know God? And not only how do we know, um, but how do I know? And it's interesting, there's, a, there's, a, a, there's kind of a switch here from we to I. It says by this, we know that we have come to know God. And then it takes it to an individual, if someone claims and says, I have come to know God. There's two ways to, to approach this. There's kind of, there's the judgmental kind of uh, approach to this, looking at someone and saying, well, they say they know God, but I don't, I don't really think so. Maybe that is one way to approach this. And, and, and Johnny is very clear about that, about not just taking someone at their word and saying, oh, well, they say they're a Christian, so I guess they are. Um, I certainly grew up like that. I grew up calling myself a Christian, but being the ultimate hypocrite and, and certainly not living the life, certainly not as John says here, keeping his commands. Um, but there's also a self-reflection part of it. This is by this, we know that we have come to know God if we keep his commands. Question here is, is, is it a measure? Is knowing God, is it a goal? Is keeping his commandments kind of like a, taking the temperature and knowing if you have a fever or if you're healthy? Or is it actually the way to get to know God? Uh, rather than being a condition, being the way to get to know God is to keep his commands. Which leads us to the second point, which is to love. What does it mean to keep, keep God's commands? In verse five, it says, but whoever obeys his word, truly in this person, the love of God has been perfected. I think this is one of the most complicated in-depth statements um, that, that, uh, that if we really think about it, it is actually becomes very hard. Like, well, what are these commands that we need to obey? Um, and Paul, uh, John seems to, to connect it 
to love. Now, what's very interesting is, is John is the only New Testament writer who spoke extensively about keeping the commands of Jesus. And what's also interesting is that when John uses the word command in the singular, it is always the command to love. The question we, we, we ask ourselves, well, we don't, which are, what are these commands that we supposed to keep to make it obvious that we know God? And I've been, I've been struggling, so how do I condense all of this into a short Sunday message? A few years ago uh, at the European Bible School, we devoted a whole Bible school uh, teaching series. Well, it was actually, actually, it starts Thursday evening, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So it's basically three and a half days of teaching. We devoted that whole European Bible school to just teaching on what does it mean to obey the commands of Jesus? And we can ask ourselves, so which commands is he talking about? Is it the Ten Commandments, you know, that we find in the Old Testament in Exodus? Is it, uh, is it the, the Old Testament commandments from the Jewish era that, uh, that we find all over the Old Testament? In fact, if we use those commandments, the Jews uh, summarized that and said, well, there are 613 commandments in the Old Testament. Uh, in the ancient times, you could say before Christ. Because of the destruction of the temple, a lot of those commands were connected to uh, temple commands, like how to bring the sacrifices, etc. Um, the destruction of the temple eliminated quite a few, about three, 350 of those commandments, which left the Jews with 271 commands that could be observed today. That's one way to look at it and to say, well, the commands is the law that we need to obey to, to tick all the boxes. Is it the commands of Jesus? Well, if you go and study it out, you can, you'll find that there are 49 commands of Jesus. Um, is that what he's talking about? That we have to you know, get out the list of 49 commands of Jesus and, and, and tick them off and say, okay, I've, I've obeyed all of these 49 commands. Is it all the commands of God in the New Testament? In fact, it is even uh, those commands are even more than the Old Testament commands. There's a, a thousand and fifty of them in the New Testament. Uh, things we are told to do. Is that the Christian life? To have a list of a thousand and fifty things that we need to obey, and by obeying that list of 1,050 things, we can say, now I know God. Because that's the measure that John puts before us. You say, well, you know God if you keep his commands, and this is the list of 1,050. What John does, he connects it back to love. And he says, no, that's not what it is about at all. Because he says, whoever obeys his word, in this person, the love of God has been perfected. Or in the NIV, it says, love, love for God is truly made complete in the one who obeys his word. 
when we when we obey, um, it is really comes back to those two basic commands that Jesus said. These are the two greatest commandments: love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then he said, of these commands hangs all of the law and the prophets. Everything connects back to these two commands. And as part of this, uh, that exercise of teaching at the European Bible School, um, we actually, uh, I actually made a mind map and I took all of these commands, these 600 Old Testament commands and the thousand New Testament commands, and I categorized them and grouped them and I mapped them back and see, can I relate all of those commands back to these two basic commands? And it is amazing that, yes, it, it is actually true, is that whatever command we have, whether it is not to lie or whether it is to take care of the poor, um, all of them relate back to only these two commands. All of them do hang on these two commands. So when we ask to obey, it's not really about ticking a thousand and fifty New Testament command boxes and say, once I've ticked all these boxes, then I really know God. To obey is, is not a box ticking exercise. To obey is really to love like Jesus loved. That is the measure by which we can measure if we know God or not. For those of us who are who are married during the marriage relationship, um, you know, how do I measure the love for my wife? How do I measure her love for me? It is not a measurable thing. It's not it's not a box ticking exercise. It is not uh, an exercise where I have a list, um, and if I stick to the list, then I know I love her, and if I don't match the list, then then I don't. That's not what, how it works. And what, what John says here is that, yes, we need to obey. We need to obey the commands, but it really comes back to do we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength? And do we love like Jesus loved? Do we love our neighbor? Do we love other people? So I ask myself this question. Would it be possible to live in a covenant relationship with God if I had no Bible? And the only thing I knew was these for these two commandments of love God with all of your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Would it be possible to to say that I know God if that's all that I knew? I think what John is trying to say here is that if we have a really mature love. If our love, if, if that love is made complete in, in us, then it should be possible. So why do we have all these other hundreds and thousands of other commands that, that teach us? It's, it really teaches us how to love. Because as humans, we like to make our own rules. We get confused. We, um, we have a sinful nature that leads us astray and uh, takes us away from, from that pure love, that pure devoted love that God calls us to. But those things just describe elements 
and bits and pieces of what true godly love is made up of. So we need to know, and to know we need to obey, but actually by obeying we need to love. And love is the way to obey. Then the last bit of this uh, passage is to live. And uh, I'm just going to switch and share my screen again. The third part of this passage is to live. And it's interesting, uh, um, in, in studying these, uh, these the, the different translations, in verse 5 and 6, in the New English translation, it says, the love of God has been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he resides in God ought himself to walk as Jesus walked. In the NIV, it says we must live as Jesus did. In the NIV, the second at the bottom of the screen that I'm sharing, it says, this is how we know we are in him. Semicolon. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. And this just highlights some of the translational difficulties of this passage, but also how we can misread something and, and get a completely different message of what is expect what is actually expected of us here. What, what is he trying to tell us? The NIV effectively says, well, the way to know we are in him is you need to live as Jesus did. Whereas the New English translation put that by this we know that we are in him kind of as a standalone sentence connecting the perfection of the love of God and walking as Jesus has walked. Uh, saying that, yes, we need to live as Jesus did. We, we know we are in him if we live like Jesus. But the NET says also we know that we are in him if the love of God has been perfected in us. So how do we know that we know God? Um, it says here, well, we need to live like Jesus lived. But in reality, it means that it's not just living like Jesus lived. It means love like Jesus loved. And that brings me back to the point where I think Jesus, uh, Liesl commented that um, it's sharing adversity. Uh, sharing adversity is a way to get to know someone. If we take the New English translation here, it effectively says the same thing. It, it, it doesn't just say that live, walking as Jesus walked or living the life of the Jesus lived is kind of a measure of how well I know God. But it's also saying that it is the way to know God. And if we turn it around like that and think about, like, how can I get to know God? Well, it is a bit like some of the things that we shared earlier. We get to know God by spending time with him, by getting to know him, asking him questions. Um, practically, how does it mean? Well, we spend time with him um, by, uh, by reading our Bible and by, by breath. Uh, reading lots of it. We also spend, uh, get to know God by reading our Bible with depth, meditating on the scriptures and, and, and thinking about it, taking a passage or two and really thinking about it and, and spending time on it uh, a few days in a row on the same scripture, praying through it, asking questions of God, um, asking God to, to make things clear for, for us. 
So that is part of knowing, getting to know God, is spending time with him, asking questions of him, understanding him. But also what it says, we need to live the life that Jesus lived. Living like Jesus is not just a measure of knowing God, but it is also the way to get to know God. I've heard it said that you only really get to know yourself in times of adversity, in times of, of challenge, when things are difficult, when we go through difficult times in life. Sometimes that's true for ourselves. And like Liesl said, it's also true for people that we know, people we have relationships with, that we only get to know someone uh, or each other when we go through difficult times together. There's a way in which it brings us, it, it bonds us, uh, it, it uh, really connects us when we can share what's on our heart, we share our pain, we share our sadness, we share our challenges, and we share the victories that come at the end when, when we're able to overcome. When we go through tough times like that, we feel like, I really got to know someone in that process. When I go through tough times, I, I, I'm forced to reflect on myself and asking, wow, I wonder how I would react in some situation. Well, sometimes we don't know until we go through it. Um, and we only get to know ourselves when we go through that tough situation. Um, sometimes it, was, it is with bereavement. Uh, when I was younger, I, I never could, I, I wondered, I, I saw how people reacted when a, when a parent died or a close family member. And I always wondered how would I react? Uh, because people react so differently to bereavement and to difficult times. And it's only when I lost my, my grandfather for the first time, who I was relatively close to, that I kind of saw myself and, and realized, wow, this is how I respond to bereavement. And this is how I grieve. Uh, seeing how people go through grieving process in so many different ways, I only got to know myself and how I deal with bereavement by going through it myself. And when this passage says that um, this is how we know that we are in him, is to live like Jesus lived, it is not just a measure, some kind of tick box that, that we say, well, how well do I know Christ? Let me see. You know, did I, do I take care of the poor like Jesus took care of the poor? Do I evangelize like Jesus evangelized? Do I uh, uh, spend time with people like Jesus spent time with people? Uh, do I forgive like Jesus forgave? And I can kind of tick all the boxes and, and you know, calculate the score for myself. And that's not the point at all. It is helpful and valuable to ask ourselves the question, yes, do I love like Jesus loved? But also by living like Jesus lived, by walking in his footsteps, is actually the path to knowing God. Because Jesus walked a path and a life of, of loving, living sacrifice. And as uh, we're going to uh, have communion soon and, and, and reflect on that. So just to summarize this passage, the passage says, how do we know if we know God? Well, 
It says we need to obey. But we cannot disconnect obedience from love. He says to obey is to really mature in our love. So how do we know we know God? Is to grow in our love. How do we grow in our love? We need to live like Jesus lived. So to know is to love, and to love is to live. Know, love, live is the best way I can summarize this passage. What does it mean to follow in the footsteps of Jesus? What does it mean to live like Jesus? Yes, there's practical things, but there's also the principle of a sacrificial life and a, and, and, and a sacrificial love, a, a life lived in the service of other people. Paul writes in Philippians uh, 3 verse 10, he says, I want to know Christ. And you think like, wow, Paul, what do you mean you want to know Christ? I thought you knew him. You met him on the road to Damascus. You spent uh, years with him teaching you. Yet he still writes, I want to know Christ. And he says, yes, I want to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings. We can follow in the footsteps of Jesus all the way except to the cross. And we don't need to do that. We don't actually need to participate in his death uh, on the cross and go through the same suffering that he, that he did. But Jesus did say in Luke 9 to the disciples, he, he said, if you want to be a, my disciple, you do need to take up your cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will save it. Jesus calls us by walking in his steps to, to live a life of sacrifice. Uh, sacrificing our time, sacrificing our devotion, our hearts, um, our energy, our material things, if necessary. Uh, but the, the sacrifice of actually going to the cross was enough when he did it once. And as we uh, have the communion now, I think let's have some time to reflect on that, to reflect on uh, the incredible sacrifice that Jesus made that was an act of love, an act of obedience, but also an act of demonstration that Jesus knew the Father. He knew that he was in safe hands. He knew the Father because he trusted him, because he spent time with him, because he was intimately connected to him. And he knew that when the Father promised that he will be resurrected after three days, that he can trust that promise. And if we think about to know is to obey, is to love, is to live, Jesus set us the perfect example of knowing God uh, all the way to dying on the cross for us. As we have the, the bread and the wine, um, let's reflect on that. Let's reflect on um, on uh, uh, his love for us and the, the perfection and the completeness of his love for us that he showed by dying for us on the cross. Uh, let's pray for the for the bread and the wine.
Dear God, Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you so much for the incredible love you've shown us. Thank you, God, that you know us. You know us intimately. You know us to the point where you say you've counted the hairs on our head, Father. Father, you know the, the inmost desires and fears of our hearts, Father, the darkest corners and the brightest corners, God. Father, thank you for that, God. Thank you that you have uh, shown us the way to complete and mature love through your son, Jesus, Father. Father, we pray that you will also help us to know you, God. Father, thank you that the forgiveness of our sins breaks down all barriers to us to be able to know you, God. Father, we can be intimate and close to you, God. Uh, thank you for forgiving our sins. Thank you for the bread we're about to have and the body, broken body of Jesus that it represents, God. Please bless it in our bodies. Thank you for the fruit of the vine we're about to have, God, and the blood of Christ that it represents. Please bless it in our bodies, and please forgive us our sins. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.